Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. I just want to remind you that it is Provember. That means that, uh, guys, you're supposed to be checking on your physical health. That's really what the month is about. But it's also about um, growing beards because we're guys, and we like doing that. Um, And doing that this year, um, some of us are given $25, excuse me, to a homeless ministry called uh, Columbus Relief. So just if you see guys that are looking scruffy and you're thinking, man, I wonder, I've never seen him with a beard. It might just be that he's doing that. So not that he's being lazy. And in my case, um, I can't really grow a beard. Can you even tell that I have, like in the back, you're like, are you growing a beard? I can't see anything. Uh, it's been 12 days now, and it's, this, is, this is as good as it gets. I'm just saying, you know. Beyond that, um, off script, of course, Therese, my wife, is like, you know, I will kiss you December 1st. We're done. So, this is true sacrifice. It's a sacrifice on my part. She seems pretty happy about it, actually. I'm, Sure, but. So anyway, um, this month we're starting a new series. <clears throat> it's about stewardship, about money. And I know you're all thinking, oh, yes, I can't wait to talk about money. Every time I go to church, I hope they talk about money. Um, and I, I got to tell you, it's not necessarily your favorite subject to, to hear about, you know. But it, think of it from this perspective. I said, we're going to talk about money, and everybody's like, oh. So that's what you are. And I say, we're going to talk about money. And you're like, Ugh. so it's hard from this seat too, trust me. Um, but here's the reality. Uh, Jesus talked about it a lot, and it's important. And we need to just lean into it. And it's a big topic. There are big challenges when you talk about money. But here's what's so cool. When you live God's way, there are amazing blessings that come. And so that's why we're talking about this. This is about getting our hearts right with God. This is part of being a follower, a disciple of Jesus. So just let me give you kind of a quick roadmap. On, on week three, um, we're going to be talking about the best ROI ever, how our, our greatest return comes when we invest in God's kingdom. Next week, I can't say the name of the missionary, but his name was mentioned in the video on Jordan's video announcements. Um, our, our messages are recorded and go on the internet, and this missionary is coming from a secure nation where it's just dangerous for their names to be broadcast. So, but if you remember the person whose name, um, if you don't, it doesn't matter because he's going to be here anyway, and uh, he's going to do a great job talking about how important it is for us to think long term when we invest in the kingdom, especially when we think about. Um, some of the fields, in particular the field that they're serving in. And then today we're going to start with the idea of enough and how we need to learn contentment. And we do that through God, um, through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Now, when we think about the journey, when we think about beginning with the end in mind, we know every journey begins with a step, right? You have to take your first step. And when you think about a baby just learning to walk, you know, the baby is called what? A toddler, right? Because they toddle, you know? They, they have a tendency to kind of be struggling as they begin walking in this. Um, but no one goes up to them and says, oh, you're so dumb. I can't believe you can't walk better than that, you know? And uh, at least if, I hope no one does that. If they do, they're really, they need help. But, um, you know, when a child is learning to walk, you, you help them. And when they fall down, you pick them up, right? And that's really where we are Um, in this spiritual journey of stewardship. We're starting with this baby step. It's really the first step. But what's cool is when we get this one right, 
then everything else flows from it. So it's a hard one. It's a struggle, but it's important. And it's, it's about our hearts. And so we're in Luke chapter 12. Um, we use this exact same passage on October 15th. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to go online and check out that message. But on October 15th, we talked about the principle of ownership, that everything belongs to God. And today, we're going to talk about the idea of enough. And really, this is kind of an intersection between today and forever, between now and eternity. So we're going to jump right in, Luke chapter 12, um, verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to bring that with you, whether it's printed or electronic. And if you don't have a Bible at all, please pick one up in the lobby. They're free. We would love for you to have one. So Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15. Then he, and that's Jesus, said to them, Watch out, be on your guide against, guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, we're going to pause there in the story. This is a pretty good problem to have, right? I mean, you think about it. This guy is thinking, hey, I've got all these crops. What am I going to do? This is like a first world problem, right? This is like, I have all this food, or I have all these clothes to choose from. These are not bad things to have, right? But having plenty or having too much can create a crisis of character. What's, what's he going to do with his abundance? Well, let's continue. Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for himself or themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, the problem wasn't the, the fact that the guy had surplus. That wasn't the problem. Money, wealth, those things are neutral. The problem is our heart is not neutral. Our problem is that we, we crave and we want and, and in this guy's situation, he had everything he needed, but he, he decided that it was just for him. He stored up, as it says, for himself only. He wasn't investing in the kingdom of God. But see, God designed us to be part of something bigger than us. We're, we're designed to be involved in something significant in the world. So he could have used his surplus to help, but he used it to hoard. The barns weren't too small. His craving was too big. I don't know if that's ever a problem for you, but I confess it is for me. There are times when I'm not satisfied with enough. I just want more. And to be honest, this isn't just a problem of money or stuff. Do you ever, ever have too much on your plate, just in general? You ever think of the activity 
in your life and how you just want more. Or my kids have to have this and this and this and this. They have to be involved in everything to the exclusion sometimes of spiritual things. Or do you ever have too much on your physical plate, like food? I do. But none of these issues are physical issues. These are spiritual issues. These are matters of faith. These are matters of our heart. See, God knows our heart. He created us. He has the best plan. He has a great plan for you. So we need to let God lead our hearts. The truth is abundance can lead to something that's called gluttony. Now, we don't use that word very often. Gluttony is habitual greed or excess. It's the exact opposite of enough. But see, gluttony is an acceptable sin in our culture, and too often it's an acceptable sin in the church. But it's not acceptable to God because gluttony always damages us. Proverbs 25, six, uh, 16 says, if you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it and you will vomit. It's pretty practical. Stop with enough. There's a fascinating story in the book of Numbers. It's about the Israelites and God has freed them from Egypt they were, where they used to be slaves and they're in the desert and God provides food every single day. Enough for that day. It's called manna. And every single day God provides it. And yet they get sick of it and they say, you know, we want to go back to Egypt. How it was so great, man, when we were in Egypt. We had fish and we had leeks and we had onions. We had all this stuff. Yeah, you were slaves. You had slavery. You were oppressed. It was fantastic. How great. And God's getting frustrated with them. And in this particular case, they're saying, we want meat. We want meat. And so God says, fine. Fine. You want meat? I'll give you meat. And he causes a wind to come in, and there are quail. They're just there everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And they're like, yes, meat. And instead of being thankful and saying, this is enough for me for today, I'm good, they just began to be voracious, and they were insatiable. And it was gross. And really, it, it made God even more upset. And in Numbers chapter 11, beginning in verse 33, this is what it says. While they were, listen to the word, while they were gorging themselves on the meat, while it was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. So that place was called Kibroth Hatava, which means graves of gluttony because there they buried the people who had craved meat from Egypt. Never satisfied, always complaining. Give me this. I want that. I want more. I don't want to be buried in a grave of gluttony. I assume you don't either. I want to learn to say enough, to live enough. Well, how can we do that? How can we keep 
plenty from becoming excess or gluttony. Well, God gives us some ideas in his word, of course, because he knows it's going to be a problem because he loves us and he knows what's best. So a couple of quick ideas. First one, pray for enough. Simply pray for enough. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says this, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Just pray, God, would you keep me from excess? Keep me from the false things that I keep desiring that don't satisfy me anyway. Give me just enough for my needs today. Why is that a good prayer? Well, it goes on to tell us in the very next verse. Otherwise, in other words, if we don't get, if we don't have our satisfaction, our contentment from just the things we need for the day, otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You see, if we have too much, we get proud and we feel like this is because of us. We did this and we forget about God. And if we have too little, we can be tempted to steal and dishonor God's name. In both cases, we discredit God. Wealth and poverty, both of them are challenges. And here's a reality. We are rich. If you are in this room, you're rich. You may not feel like you're rich, but compared to the rest of the world, you are rich. I am rich. So what's the solution? What is the solution? So first thing to do is to pray for enough. And what's really cool is this is exactly what Jesus did. When the disciples said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? He said, sure. This then is how you should pray. Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Heard that before? <laughs> Give us just what we need for today. Help us to be satisfied. Embarrassing story, and, and this is not cool. It's really not. Uh, and it might sound kind of funny, but it's embarrassing. So I decided I wanted to get some chili from Wendy's. Um, large chili, of course, not a small. And um, I was kind of busy, so I decided I was going to get it, you know, in the drive-thru. So I don't know if you've ever eaten uh, chili while you're driving. How are you supposed to do that? Right? You need one hand to hold the bowl, right? You need another hand to get the chili out. Well, that's bad enough. Two other factors. First, I was driving on Sawmill Road. Second, I was driving a standard car. <laughs> See, I, I knew you'd think that was funny. That's embarrassing. So, so I'm driving. Literally, I don't know how I do this, because if, if you're not familiar, kids, with what a stick shift is, okay, you have to use your left foot for this thing. It's called the clutch, all right? And you have to use your right foot for the thing called the brake and the, and the accelerator. <clears throat> your left hand is used for driving. Your right hand is used for shifting. All right, changing gears. Unless you're in India, which I did one time. That was weird. Anyway, everything was backwards. But so you're driving. How are you supposed to eat a chili when you've got all four of your appendages doing something else? I did it. I, I don't know how I did it. It was one of the dumbest things you could do. 
I mean, why would you do that? Why would you text while you're driving? Why would we do stupid things? These are stupid things. They might sound funny, but they're stupid. People are dying because of this, right? You know, I mean, that's so dumb. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself or somebody else in danger? But here's the thing. Don't we do this spiritually too? Like we're on the road of life and we're not satisfied with enough. And so we say, I got to have my chili while I'm going on this road too, you know, and then you put yourself in danger and other people around you in danger. Maybe it would be better just to pause for a minute and go into Wendy's and sit down and eat the chili, you know, that's okay. Pausing is an okay thing. I don't know exactly how it fits together, but it it just helped me to think, you know, God, would you help me not to be so distracted with the stuff around me that I forget that I'm supposed to be on a journey with you? That's the most important thing. So pray for enough for today. And that's going to build our faith and our trust in God. Here's the second thing, again, from God's word. We need to learn by God's power. Wonderful passage in Philippians chapter 4. It says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And in this famous verse, I can do all things or all this through him who gives me strength. Do you ever realize that this verse is about contentment. It's not about doing amazing, crazy things, except that being content is an amazing, crazy thing. It's about learning to say, yeah, I'm content. Whatever I have, a lot or a little, it's enough. I'm okay. But it's really important. Paul says twice, this is something that is learned. See, we're not born content, and that's understandable. I mean, a baby is going to cry when it has a need, right? And a a child, a toddler, is going to learn that wonderful word, mine, right? Mine, mine, mine. And here's the problem. Unless someone intervenes, we're going to have that same heart, that same attitude for our whole lives. There's nothing beautiful about an adult who cries all the time about stuff and and always wants more and says, this is mine. That's childish behavior. That's embarrassing. But the reality is, Paul also says, you can't do this on your own. We can't do this on our own. If you're thinking, man, I'm struggling with this. I can't do this. Yay, you're in the same boat as all the rest of us. None of us can do this. We do this through God's strength, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, God, would you, would you teach me to be content? And he will. See, this is a matter of making the right choices. It really comes down to that. It's not easy at first. But when you think about the long term, There is great gain with contentment. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's wonderful. So as we are going along, 
it's helpful sometimes just to hear somebody else and their struggle and how God has been working in their life. And so John and Leah Brown are going to come. And I have to tell you, they were hesitant. I know their story because we were in life group together. And uh, they were hesitant. They were like, no, we don't think so because this looks like we're trying to brag on us. I said, no, 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 this is you guys bragging on God. So um, they're just going to share a little bit about how God's worked in their lives and continues to work um, on this issue of enough. So please welcome John and Leah. Wow, thank you. Um, uh, we are truly humbled and, and honored um, to be able to share the struggle that we have uh, just with dealing with enough. And um, one of the main ways that we do struggle is in finding contentment with what we have, um, what we've been blessed with. Um, in the series we just finished up in Soul Shift, um, there was a section called Consumer to Steward. And if you read the book, there was a quote out of it, and it goes like this. It says, if we are not already content with what we have, we will never be content with what we want. And so we have this constant battle um, for the desire to have more and more, and this battle to just want enough. Um, we encourage you in this battle to take inventory of what you have and what you've been blessed with. Um, we recently took the financial peace class with the Studebakers and uh, in financial peace you're asked to uh, lay out a budget uh, for your household and so you see where you've allocated all your funds and all your money and in doing that when you see that spreadsheet laid out you you see that there is just so much that God has given us and that we truly are blessed and we have much to be thankful for. But you know, it doesn't just end um, with being content with our, our uh, material possessions, but we need to be content in all areas of our life, um, our relationships that we have, um, the talents God has blessed us with. Can we ever have enough? I honestly can say it is a continual struggle. <clears throat> the world's always gonna tell us that we need more. But the desire for more can be toned down if we turn off what the world around us says is necessary. Replace what the world says we need with what God wants you to have. This past spring, we were in need of a washer and asked our small group to pray for wisdom in buying a new one. When one of the couples in our group piped up and said they had one we could have. Answered prayer? Yeah. The way we thought it would work out? No. Needless to say, we were floored and humbled that God would shower us with such a practical gift in such an unusual way. Later this summer, God blessed us with a dryer to replace ours that had finally died after 19 years. This time we waited three months. God took care of us and gave us exactly what we needed. It's funny sometimes. I think God likes to hit us over the head with something super obvious, so we realize that he owns it all. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And finally, above all else, ask God what his definition of enough is. Thank you, John and Leah. Appreciate it. Grateful for how God is working in your life. And see, there's a practical reason to be in a life group right there. You might get a washer out of it. It's pretty good. But seriously, I mean, that, that relationship, off script again, but that relationship provided an opportunity for them to just share what was going on in their life. And 
God had everything that was needed for that situation. Um, and they were content. It was pretty awesome. And again, the, the idea here is not to, when people are up here telling what God is doing, it's not to glorify any of us. It's to glorify God. And it's wonderful to see that working in so many people's lives. So let's kind of land this plane here. Um, let's put this into practice by asking ourselves two questions. Here's the first one. How am I moving towards enough? How am I moving towards enough? This is, um, these two photos are from a, a book called Material World by Peter Menzel. And, and he, he went throughout the world and he said, I'd like for you to take everything out of your house and place it outside and I'm going to take a picture of you and your family with it. Um, so on the left, you have the family from the United States. I think there are four people in the picture. They're almost hard to see because all the stuff. And then uh, the other picture is a family not from the United States, more than four people, and that's everything they have. So again, we are rich, but I, I want us to hear this. This is not about guilt. This is about growth. And the Browns referenced the book Soul Shift, and just another quote from that book I thought was very helpful. It says, you don't have to apologize for where you were born, okay? We're blessed to be from the United States. Whether we were born here or whether we immigrated here, we're blessed. But ask yourself these questions. Again, this is from the book. Do I see other people's stuff and become critical or bored with my own? Do I shop for recreation or buy compulsively because I feel like it? Is my circle of need, quote, getting bigger? You know, a different cell phone or a different tablet, a larger home? Do I complain about how much I make? Do I give less than 10% of my income to the ministry of the local church? Does it annoy me when the preacher talks about money? Think of a continuum. So on this side, we have plenty, maybe too much. On this side, there's not enough. There's scarcity. God wants us to move toward the middle, toward enough. Now, here's a side point, and it's important for us to hear this. Would you let God define what your enough is and let God define what someone else's enough is and stop worrying about someone else's story? Your goal is not to judge your stuff compared to their stuff. Your, your responsibility is to say, God, what is enough in my story? And let him work in their lives as well. But we have to ask ourselves, how am I moving towards enough? And here's what's beautiful. As we move from our gluttony or perhaps too much toward enough, it frees up resources for us to invest in God's kingdom, to invest in people who are over here, who physically or spiritually or emotionally don't have anything, and we can help them move towards enough. That's God's plan, is that out of our wealth, we would be responsible. To whom much is given, much is required. And what a great opportunity it is to not only bless our own lives by moving towards enough, but to help other people move towards enough as well. 
One really good gauge of where this is in our lives is the next few weeks. Christmas season is on us. And it's interesting that in Luke chapter 2, he tells us that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and, and wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, a place, a feeding trough for animals because the inn was full. There was no room for Jesus in that crazy, busy, noisy, overflowing world. And, and I hear that and I wonder, is that the same for me? Does that happen in our lives? Jesus should be our priority, but we don't even have any room for Jesus in our margin. And Jesus came to bring peace on earth, and yet this season is the most chaotic, stressful time for many of us throughout the whole year. That doesn't make any sense. I feel like maybe enough is the very best present you can give or receive for Christmas this year. So first, ask, how am I moving towards enough? And we need God's help for us to do that. And the second question, which is going to provide immediate feedback for us, is this. By purchasing or eating or doing this, is God's purpose enhanced or diminished? Very practical question to ask. When we find our contentment and our purpose in God, our possessions can't possess us. Our habits won't damage us. We'll be passionate about our mission to love God and love people and impact the world. We will be passionate about our vision to reach people, to love them, to imitate Jesus together and to duplicate that process. So instead of seeking satisfaction in the clothes we wear, the car we drive, the phone we have, the neighborhood we live in, the career that we are in, the team we support, or the video games that we conquer. We learn to appreciate those things as secondary gifts. And instead, we pursue God who brings us fulfillment and freedom and purpose and contentment and strength for our faith. Learning this principle enough is the first step in going long. Enough creates margin in our lives. It allows us to achieve long-term goals for God's kingdom. And it helps us to recognize that God is enough. That the sacrifice of Jesus is enough. And there are some people here maybe who have never embraced that sacrifice. And you can do that today. You can come forward as we sing in just a minute. And we can talk with you and pray with you about what that looks like. Or if you've not done that and you you don't want to do that right now, you just want more information, find one of us. And we'd be more than happy to talk with you about that. But God is enough. And when God is enough, we have everything that we need. And through that, God is going to bring great things in the long run and great things today. Would you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for what you've generously given us. Life, hope, salvation, daily bread. Help us learn to say enough to live enough, to know that you are enough as you strengthen us each day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?